you doing, everyone? It's Yuli here. I'm your host for today's show, and I think you'll really, really, really love today's conversation. I'm speaking to Ryan Carson. He's a fascinating guy. He's the CEO of Treehouse, and Treehouse has a team of over 80 employees, which half of them are fully distributed and remote. So three things you'll definitely learn in this conversation. You will learn how Ryan extends trust in his remote company, where you have 80 employees and 40 of them are not in the same room as the other 40. You will learn the one advice Ryan would give for any SaaS founder that wants to start a SaaS company. You will hear why Ryan switched from working only four day weeks, which he has been doing for 10 years, and why he switched back to five days workdays just two years ago from his recording. And you'll hear just much, much more. I hope you enjoy. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks. Good to be on the show. Well, I thought we can kick off the conversation by you sharing more about yourself, who you are, who Treehouse are, and what you guys are doing. You bet. So uh, I am the founder and CEO of Treehouse. We're an online school that teaches adults uh, how to code. And we take people from zero to job ready. And we specialize uh, in folks who want a job in tech or they want to switch into tech, but they don't want to go back to college or they don't want to go to an expensive boot camp. Mm-hmm. And how many people are you in the company and how many are working remotely? So we have around 80 full-time employees um, and more than half work remotely. So uh, I'm here in our Portland office and there's about 30 of us here. Uh, and, then, and then we have a small team in Orlando and then everyone else works from home. So we, And we've been a distributed remote company since the very beginning. I actually started it when I lived in England eight years ago. And so it's been a little while now. We have 80,000 enrolled students right now. So we're able to do, um, we're a pretty big school now with a, a small team, so. Huh. And why are you going like remotely? Why didn't you choose to have everyone in the office? Is there a specific well, reason you wanted to go over? Well, it's interesting. It started um, because we had to in the beginning. So I was in the UK. And I started hiring people and they were in the U.S. So we were automatically remote. And so we started with that. And then over time, we realized that it allowed us to hire quicker because we could hire people no matter where they lived. So we didn't have to wait for them to be in in this city or that city. Um, So that's been a big advantage. Um, But one of the big tough parts about it is that it's harder harder to, to create energy sometimes in the company because people feed off energy in person and you, you know, mean like high energy, like good energy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have, I mean, you know, there's, there's good energy and there's happy people and everything, but sometimes you don't feel it as much because, you know, uh, you don't see people physically as much. So that, that is a challenge that sometimes we have to overcome. Mm-hmm. And are there any other things which you're doing to help connect all the workforce? Because it sounds like most of them are remote. Maybe there are some habits, routines, retreats, something you're doing that really helps connect it, like in terms of communication, culture. You bet. So um, the one thing that we do is we fly everyone together to one in-person meetup per year. So the idea is we get everybody on a plane and we, we fly them. Um, the last one we did was here in Portland. And that was really important to get that FaceTime and that reconnection time. So we do that. That's one thing. And then we do a couple other smaller things that seem to help. One is very simple. Um, we have uh, we use Slack at Treehouse. And 
we have a, a little room called tea time. And, uh, and what you do is you go into tea time and there's a, a bot. I think it's called donut. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know why it's called donut. Um, and then donut pairs you with somebody else in the tea time channel and then says, okay, paired you up with this random person. And then what we do is we have a zoom call with that person and the goal, randomly in the company randomly. Yeah. And you know, you both, idea. yeah, it's fun because the goal is not to talk about work. So for 30 minutes, you just sit back and you know that you're not trying to achieve something and you get to know each other a little bit better. I just did one today, which was fun. And it does work. It's not some magic bullet that fixes it, but it, it, it has helped. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, one of the things which I saw when I was doing some of my homework for the call, which was very prominent to me, is that you talked about how you and your company are working only four days a week, 32 hours per week. So I was curious if you can talk about this. Are you still doing it? Is this something you're applying for the whole company as well as the remote workforce? Yes, we are not doing it anymore. You're um, not doing it anymore. No. So, uh, and what's interesting, you know, I, I basically did that for 10 years from 2006 to 2016. Okay. Um, so I started my first company in 2004. Um, and then uh, I was able to convince my wonderful wife to join me in 2006. And then we just said, well, I wonder if we can just work a four-day week. Like, who says you have to work five days a week? Um, and so we did a four-day work week. Um, and then we hired our first employee and we said, guess what? We work a four-day work week. You know, and they, they said, what? Like, is this a, a joke? It's unusual. Like, am I on a game show here? You know? And we said, no, it's, it's real, but we pay you a, a full salary. And we did, so we did it for a long time. I mean, 10 years of that um, experiment. And I think in the end, <clears throat> we decided to change it because in very competitive markets, I decided as the CEO, I didn't know if we could be successful on our mission by working way less than everybody else. You know, there is a correlation between work and output. You know, it's one of the parameters of the formula. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think you can work smarter, but I think there is a minimum you can work and still compete. And I just felt like we were starting to not be able to compete because of that. And so as the CEO founder, I decided to change it, which was hard. You know, the, the, the company went through a pretty tough, you know, culture hit with that. And, but eventually we worked our way back to it. We did give people the freedom to say, hey, you can work four tens if you want you know, or, you know, uh, four nines and then one, you know, four. So we, we try to give people flexibility with that. Uh, now we just work a standard five-day week when people join. So whenever new employees join, they work a, a normal five-day week. So. so how do you do the transition? I mean, I guess people working for many years, whether remotely or not, very used to working four times. Um, how do you help make an easy transition? Well, uh, we tried to give them flexibility to say, you know, you can... You know, you still don't have to work Fridays, but you could work, you know, four days of 10 hours each um, to make up, you know, to get to that 40 hours. Um, the trouble with that is it, it is hard to work a 10-hour day and be effective. But we try to give people some flexibility there and then, you know, trust that it would work out. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. And if you'd done it for 10 years, I mean, you should have been more very, very productive. And I'm guessing your team has to be very productive. How would you structure your day? And how would you tell your team to structure their days? Very specific structure, which you found help them be more 
productive so you can produce more results for the day? You bet. So the way I structure my day now is uh, I wake up at 4.30 a.m. every day um, and I work on Treehouse from 4.30 to about 5.30. And I just find I'm, I'm really effective in the morning um, and get a lot done. And then from 5.30 to 6.30, I uh, work out. I just go down to my basement and, and I train. Um, and then 6.30 to 8.30 is family time. So, you know, I have breakfast and hang out with my kids and, and my wonderful wife. Um, and then 8.30 to 6 p.m. is work. So I work really solid. I tend not to take a lunch. You know, I, I, I just eat as I work to really maximize that, that work time so that I can leave right at 6 and then see my family. I rarely work in the evenings. Um, sometimes, you know, after my kids go to bed and my wife goes to bed, sometimes I'll, I'll work. But because I wake up so early, I can't work too late. Otherwise, I just start being ineffective. Makes sense. Um, and so, you know, I'm able to work sort of 55, 60 hours a week that way, but yet still support, you know, still be there with my family and my friends and not lose my health. It's hard. You know, I don't think it's, I don't think that's sustainable for your whole life. I think it's sustainable for a period of your life, you know, but at some point I'm going to have to slow down those hours a little bit, but um, for mm -hmm. now, it's, it's, I think it's working. I don't expect all my employees to do that, by the way. Do you um, ask them to do something like a specific structure? Like, hey, do whatever works for you? No, I mean, we, we you know, now we say we expect folks to be working 40 hours a week. You know, um, we expect new employees to be working Monday to Friday. But we are pretty free in, in people's time during that time. And we don't track anyone's, you know, hours per se or, or anything like that. Really, it's more hey, we, we trust that you're going to get the work done. So uh, I think there ha you have to extend trust to folks. Otherwise, they feel you know, micromanaged and, and um, not trusted because <laughs> if you don't send, extend trust. So those are the, some of the lessons we've learned. Mm -hmm. And how do you extend trust over specific things? Or is it just during the hiring process, the culture, something, um, especially remotely because you don't really see Anyone, I guess, like in an office, if you're right now sitting in your office, you don't really see them every day. Is there something which helps with the trust in such an yes. environment? Uh, yeah, it's a good question because we, we actually just went through a bunch of training on this. So um, mm -hmm. I would highly recommend anyone listening to this check out. It's called Speed of Trust, and it's a book. It's a book. It's a book. And there's also a training course you can go on. We went through the training course. But the book is is very, very helpful, and it basically explains that um, trust means a lot of things to different people. So what is trust? And so it goes through, okay, what is it? And, and so it starts off, uh, it, it, they use a tree analogy. So okay. there's roots, and roots is integrity. Um, so someone has to have integrity for you to be able to trust them. You have to believe that as a person, they are trustworthy. You know, they're, they're not going to lie to you or they're, they're going to, you know, they're going to do what they say. There has to be that foundation. That's very basic, right? So you have to have integrity. And then the, the trunk is, is the intention. So you have to understand their intention. Like, why are they doing what they're doing? What's the, what's, what's the motive that they're doing it? If you don't understand someone's intentions, it's very hard to trust them. Like, you know, are they, is my manager asking me to do this thing because they're trying to make themselves look better? You know, are they trying to do it to make mm -hmm. the company more money? Are they trying to make me more money? Like, 
what is the reason they're doing this? So you have to explain your intentions to people. Uh, mm -hmm. They don't know them. So that's the trunk. Interesting. Of the tree. Mm -hmm. And then the branches of the tree are capability. So you have to, the person has to be capable of delivering results, you know, so they have to have the, the, the skills, the skill, yes. right? So you can't trust someone's going to, you know, be a, a developer if they haven't learned how to code. They don't have the capability, right? <laughs> so they have to have the capability. And then the final thing is the leaves, which is the results. In the end, you have to deliver results to be trusted. So, so once again, the bottom is um, integrity. Someone has to have integrity. Then the trunk is intention. What is their intention? The branches are capability and the, the leaves are the results. And that is trust. Now, how you earn trust is a whole big thing. And, and it's interesting. It turns out there's behaviors that help build trust. And you can actually ask someone out of you know, these list of behaviors, which ones do you need from me to start building trust? And you go through those things and you start doing those things. And then that builds trust. So we went through that training. It was very helpful at Treehouse. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting. Yeah, I will make sure to include uh, this book in show notes and I'll go and read myself. I've never heard of this book. It's very good. I, I, you know, I've read a lot of books and it's one of the best. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, so since you're hiring so many people remotely, I know that remote work has lots of frictions. Uh, there are lots of benefits as well, which I'm enjoying and quote-unquote suffering from. Are there any unsolved frictions which you have in your current remote environment, something you think which is yet out of there and should be solved by a software product or something? Mm, there's a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say, you know, we have tried to figure out how to be social beings without that physical presence and it it hasn't really been solved, you know, just the, the very small behaviors as humans that we exhibit, you know, laughing, um, you know, the way we walk, you know, the way we talk, all these things are picked up in person and human interactions. Yeah. And it's just hard not to have that. And it's hard to build, it's harder to build out trust. So I think, you know, I could imagine VR being helpful someday. That's what's came to my head when you said it for some yeah. reason. So, I mean, you could do VR, but again, it's not quite the same. So it's tough. I, I still think you can be very effective, but for some reason, that connective tissue is harder to build um, over, over video calls. Mm -hmm. I agree. The human interaction is definitely missing in the remote environment. And yeah, I'm curious to know how it can be solved. I, I know video is one of those option. Do you Do you think that we're moving to a world where most companies support remote work or not? I personally think that yes. I know I'm working remotely. I mean, your company, I'm talking the product we're building. I personally think that since the easier it is to be on the internet, internet is faster, there are more tools to do it. So I personally really think it's going to quote unquote explode. I don't think all companies will go. Like that's just my personal prediction. <laughs> Who knows what the hell will happen? But that's my thoughts. Yeah, I just kind of in the remote world and I do see more companies. I, I do see people uh, doing it more and more and more, especially more than in the past. Yep. Agreed. So you run a relatively big company. I want to ask, do you have any advice you would give to all SaaS founders who are listening to the show and maybe want to grow their business as well? Yes. I think, 
It seems like there are a couple types of founders. And one type is someone who uh, thinks of themselves as a product founder. They, they are, they're passionate about solving a problem. Um, they, they understand how to, how to build a piece of software or a product to solve that problem. But they don't see themselves as a salesperson, you know, someone who, who is good at selling or good at marketing. And then you have a, a sales-based, marketing-based founder who really understands how to sell something and how to get people to buy something, but doesn't feel as comfortable with the product, the actual user experience or, or the user interface or the, the technology. And I think, you know, those are some of the most common types. It, it, it seems to break down to those two types. There, there's obviously nuances and mixes. And, but I considered myself a product founder for a long time. You know, I really understand product. It just, I, I get it. You know, I can imagine the user interface. I know how it should work. You know, I understand the problem we're trying to solve. I know how to make it delightful. It's just easy for me. But I didn't think I, I could sell. It just, you know, I had some bad experiences selling when I was younger. You know, I tried to sell stuff. I got yelled at, got rejected. And I thought, I hate that. And I guess, you know, other people will, will be able to do that for us someday and really figure out how to do this. They're salespeople, you know. Mm. And um, so for a chunk of my career at Treehouse, you know, I tried to almost like outsource that function to other people in the company. And I finally had to admit, you know, that there's a part of this that as the founder, I have to solve. I have to figure out how to explain our product, how to sell our product. I have to figure out how to package it and price it. No one else can do that in the beginning. You may want someone else to do it, but the reality is if you don't do it, you're not building the foundation for success for your company. And, and so I've had to go back and, and build that foundation, and it should have been built a long time ago. Um, and so I decided to do that. But actually what I learned is because I believe in our product, it's actually easy for me to sell. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean easy that people buy it all the time. I mean easy in the sense I can deal with rejection because I believe in what I'm selling. You know, if you mm-hmm. reject me, you know, that's, that's frustrating and sad, but it's just one more no that gets me closer to a yes, you know, and I'm not going to stop. So I would mm-hmm. encourage people listening that are thinking about starting or, or, or at the beginning of their, their journey to be especially careful about thinking that someday you're going to hire, you know, a VP of sales or, you know, a head of sales or somebody to sort out your revenue problem or, or to sell mm-hmm. your product because you'll probably have to go through the same thing I did and relearn those lessons and, and it will set you back. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I know software is also getting more commoditized because it's easier and easier to build. So what you're telling really connects to it, but you need to be able to sell it. And I guess you, the CEO and the fund, are responsible for creating the revenue and the sales and really pushing the needle and making sure this actually happens in your company. Yep. And it's a, it's generally a lie that you just build a great product and people come. <laughs> um, you know, it's, you get lucky sometimes in your Facebook or your you know, that's, that's true. It's a percentage number. It's whatever, anything it is like that's case. It's not 100% like build something. And yeah. Most people that doesn't happen to you. Most people, you have to work for 10 years really, really hard to get to success. So, so, and so don't think that's going to happen automatically, but also don't think you're failing if, if you're not seeing hockey stick growth. I mean, that it's more normal to have a company that grows, you know, slowly and that's okay. 
That's okay as well, absolutely. Um, Ryan, I know you have another meeting which you need to jump on soon. You're a busy man and you have a, a company to run. I thought just to quickly wrap it up, uh, you can tell more people, number one, where they can find you if you're interested in Treehouse and learning to code. Where would they go? Where would you want to send people? You bet. So uh, just Google Treehouse. We're thankfully the number one result, <laughs> number two, three, four, five, probably. But so just Google Treehouse, you'll find us. Um, we're also on Instagram and Twitter and, and YouTube. Just again, Google Treehouse or Team Treehouse. And then you can find me on Instagram and Twitter as Ryan Carson, one word. And I would love to chat to y'all. All right. Well, it was a pleasure chatting to you. And thank you very much for your time. And thank you very much for coming to the show. Thanks. It was a lot of fun. Take care. Small quest before you leave. So if you enjoyed the show, we would really appreciate to receive a five-star review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. That can really help. And we also would love to hear any feedback that you have. Anything else you want us to ask anyone coming to the show? Anything you want to change, improve, add, or something you like? Really, any feedback, we really, really appreciate it. Have a great day.